Hello, welcome to the AC Visions Family Talk Podcast. I'm your host, AC. Here is where we discuss all things faith and family. I share real life stories of home life as a wife, a mother of five, home educator, and all the learning curves my family and I are journeying through. As you can imagine, we're in a busy season and I got a lot to share. The goal? Getting back to the basics of raising strong families. Let's talk about it. Welcome to season one, episode one of the AC Visions Family Talk podcast. Again, I am your host, AC. Today's episode is entitled Writing a Legacy. Before we get started with the segments, I want to quickly talk about my family. Hubby and I have been married for 10 years. We actually just celebrated our 10th wedding anniversary this past Easter Sunday, 2023. As I'm recording this episode, I'm actually looking at a photo from our ceremony on my desk here. And man, the colors, I can't get over the colors. They were popping. Go to my website, www.acsvisions.com and take a look at our wedding photos. I'm going to brag on us for a second and just say, we're a good looking couple. (laughs) The warmth and the love is just radiating out of this photo. And man, I am so in love with that man. Hubby and I met while serving on active duty. We both served in the U.S. Navy as hospital corpsmen stationed on Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. We met in 2013 and married three months later. You know when you know. (laughs) We have five children. My tall, dark, and handsome son is living and working in Texas. Our four little mocha chocolate girls are still under our roof. The fraternal twins are eight, and our little Irish twins are five and four. Uh, Again, you can see all my little cuties on my website. 2023 is a milestone year for me. Uh, I celebrated my 10th wedding anniversary. I turned 40 this year. I self-published my first book, uh, April 23rd, 2023, entitled A.C. Pearls, Writing a Legacy. I have a children's book series in the works based on our real life family stories. Uh, There's this podcast. I mean, there is so much to be excited about and grateful for. I can't wait to unpack it all for you and for you to get to know me, my family and AC vision. So let's kick off this episode with some AC pearls. As I mentioned in the intro, this podcast is all about faith and family. One of um, my majors in college was theology. I love the Bible. I love geeking out on God's word and unpacking all the nuances of his creation and what he's called us to do. As a home educator to my four daughters, I, I really wanted to merge education, faith, and quality family time. Our our family dynamic is very much built around the, a love for learning, having fun, and growing in our faith. Each month, we have what's called the Clark Family Homeschool Word of the Month. Currently, we're in the month of April. For the entire month, we're talking about and practicing what it means to be courageous. Every opportunity we have to demonstrate being courageous is usually followed by a healthy discussion and rewards. 
as a mommy, I am not exempt from exercising what it means to be courageous. If anything, I have to set the example, whether my daughters are listening or not. This month, I'm exercising what it means to be courageous by starting a podcast and self-publishing my first book. It's not an easy thing to, to put yourself out there, telling your business and being vulnerable. I was a teenage pregnancy. I was a single mother on active duty. Hubby and I have a blended family. I went through a rough season of depression and anxiety and, and thoughts of not wanting to be here. Writing and publishing a book is essentially inviting people into your life, into your home, into your space. It's definitely something that takes courage. Anyone who puts themselves out on social media will have to be courageous to face a culture that will literally take your livelihood away for speaking an opinion or a truth that is unpopular or, or perceived as offensive. Listen, I somewhat live under a rock. I don't watch the news. I'm not on TikTok. What social media I do have is managed by a team in a completely different state. The most I watch is YouTube. Those are my cliff notes for what's happening in the culture and some of the trends that's circling around the internet. It is tempting to worry about the court of public opinion because, well, people are cruel and they have more ugly things to say than positive and uplifting. That's just, that's just a fact. There is a risk you take for sharing your life, your family, and your perspectives on the state of the world. So it does take courage to do and say what's in your heart. But I also believe it's necessary and the culture could use a healthy dose of faith and family values. Speaking about something as basic as faith or getting back to the basics of strong families is a risk. Imagine that. Last I checked, the United States was the largest Christian nation in the world, yet people will come for you. <laughs> people will come for you for speaking or acting on your biblical faith, how you're raising your family or your moral standards. So it's definitely something that calls for courage. With all that in mind, I definitely don't want the court of public opinion to, to shy me away from speaking on matters that I am most passionate about. I am passionate about my faith being a wife and a mother, and ensuring I leave a living legacy for my children. What is a living legacy? In my own words, a living legacy is how you influence others. It's how you influence those in your sphere of, of influence while you're alive. Getting back to the basics means understanding how to function in your identity as God designed us, prioritizing and nurturing relationships, teaching and passing down those values. As a wife and mother, I have the responsibility to give my children a sense of identity, a, a moral compass, and the security of family. If you don't know who you are, and if you don't teach your children who they are, I guarantee the world will tell them what to believe and assign them an identity. I cannot stress enough how important it is to leave your children a living legacy. One of my favorite shows to watch when I do watch TV is NCIS. Murder mysteries are my thing. NCIS agent Gibbs is my favorite character, of course. Gibbs have these, these rules that the other agents better know. As an example, uh, rule number 35, always watch the watchers. If you're at a crime scene, 
scan the crowd. The killer is probably watching. <laughs> My son, Micaiah, actually actually bought me a T-shirt one Christmas with a list of Gibbs rules on it. It was totally awesome. I loved it. I actually need to get another one. That one's faded over the years. But a few years ago, I decided to create a list of sayings of my own. Um, They have organically developed out of day-to-day life experiences. I call them AC Says. Check them out on my website. AC Says number 21, the best childhood is a future When it comes to leaving your children um, a living legacy, the best future is not only what and how we invest in them today, but it's what we leave behind when we're gone. It's the impression we leave on their little hearts. That is what writing a living legacy is all about. In Joshua 1.6, God told Joshua to be strong and courageous. Again, in 1.7, God says only be strong and and courageous. And 119, he says, haven't I commanded you be strong and courageous? This is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. In my mind, I picture God talking to Joshua like a black mama. Be strong and courageous, Joshua. Now I said, be strong and courageous. Didn't I tell you be strong and courageous? I studied teaching English as a second language in college. So naturally I examine words in a passage to give me a better understanding of what I'm reading. Is it a descriptive word, like an adjective, a state of being or an action word, like a verb? Does it function as a a modifier to a verb or an adjective? God told Joshua, be strong and courageous. We often take our feelings which are subjective and extremely transitory and adopt them as a state of being. I don't feel courageous. Therefore I am not courageous. I feel sad. Therefore I am sad. I am afraid versus I feel fearful. God did not command Joshua what to feel. He commanded him to be, to be strong and courageous. It's a commandment. In 2 Timothy 1.7, the Apostle Paul is reminding Timothy that God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. How does that apply to us? When we experience a spirit of fear and are tempted to, to operate out of that fear, we have to learn to recognize the posture we assume in our fear. Take pause and challenge it. If God says he didn't give me a spirit of timidity, but of power, love, and discipline, why am I afraid to call that person, start that journey, or do that task? Where did that spirit of fear come from? How is it affecting my decisions and my relationships? Why am I allowing it? By the way, my company's core values are be authentic, live courageous, and pursue visions. It circles back to how we identify most of the time, how our hearts are postured and how we function in our day to day really speaks to what we identify with. When hubby and I were reading through Joshua chapter one and some of the other verses in the Bible that, that speaks to being courageous, there was a common theme I noticed in the language. 
courage is a state of being. I told hubby, I would, I told hubby, I would make him a shirt that read, I identify as courageous. It doesn't mean I won't get nervous or have, have to wrestle with feelings of anxiety. Being courageous doesn't exclude me from experiencing human emotion. However, here's an AC Pearl to wrap up this segment. Being courageous is not a moment by moment attitude. I don't wait until a situation presents itself, then muster up a spirit of courage to face it. It's part of our design and what God has called us to be. Do you hear the verb? To be. Therefore, I can confidently say that I identify as courageous. The next segment of this podcast is entitled AC Talks. As a reminder, this episode is all about writing a legacy. And let me tell you, I wrote my legacy. Well, uh, at least part one entitled AC Pearls Writing a Legacy. I'm halfway through writing a follow-up piece. AC Pearls uh, was published on April 23rd, 2023. Let me give you a little backstory behind why I chose to write this book, a brief overview of what it entails and um, how appropriate the timing is for its release. In 2018, um, I was dealing with a lot of depression and anxiety. My husband and I were transitioning off of active duty we were still in family planning and there was so there were so many moving parts going on in that season. I gave birth to our last baby in 2019. That same year, we were relocating from what I thought would be our forever home in San Antonio, Texas to Charlotte, North Carolina. The season was full of change and transition for us as a family. So it was we were all over the place, like like literally. <laughs> Hubby and I went through a rough patch in our marriage um, around year eight. I don't know about you, but something happens around year eight of marriage. For me, it felt like a make it or break it patch. We were having arguments that were just senseless and unproductive. Um, I could blame the stress. I could blame it on transition, perhaps because we were we weren't in our word as as much as we could have been as a couple. I don't know. All I knew was it was an ugly season for our marriage and we had to work out those kinks. In an effort to work out my part in the ugly, I had a counselor that I was seeing at the VA hospital. She was amazing, but I knew I needed to go deeper. The kind of depth that wasn't going to cut it once a month for an hour long therapy session. So what I decided to do was download the Google recording app on my phone and just start talking like, like I was talking to a trusted friend. The intent was to start the process of releasing and unpacking thoughts and emotions and getting to the bottom of what my, my contribution was to the chaos in my marriage and in some of my other relationships. The goal was to prune and burn the part that was not bearing fruit. On paper, and I say that loosely, pineapple, because I didn't have time to write. By the way, that silly little noise that you just heard 
was my nerdy way of saying, hey, did you catch my pun? <laughs> when you pick up a copy of AC Pearls, you'll notice the word pineapple in curly brackets um, throughout the book. There is a lot of wordplay that goes on in my head, so you'll definitely hear and see it a lot in my content. When I was going through the confusing teenage years with my son, I'd go to the car or my closet, press record, and talk it out. When I was struggling mentally and emotionally or couldn't reconcile with some harsh realities in my day-to-day, same thing. Go to my car or my closet, start recording. Eventually, I was having regular meetings with myself. By the way, AC says number 23, have a meeting with yourself. After a couple of years, um, I built up a decent collection of audio recordings to where I was ready to format, format it all into a book. I decided to turn my audio recordings into a book primarily for my children's benefit. A lot of what hubby and I experience in our lives and our relationship they could benefit from the pearls we've gleaned from those seasons of life. Um, A book format for me simply organizes tons of audio recordings and, and, and puts together something concrete for them. I may not have family heirlooms that my great, great grandmother gave me and passed on down to the generation and something that I can give to my children, But I can definitely give my children my heart written on the pages of my book. They will definitely know who they are, where they come from, and they'll have a legacy to pass on to their children. Now, for a brief overview of my book. All right. It has eight chapters. Chapter one is all about the purpose of pearls and why I wanted to share my perspective on relationships and some tangible ways we nurture our family. Chapter two is all about how we function in our definition of relationships and partnerships. I became a teenage pregnancy because I laughably had a flawed view of what it means to be in a relationship with a man. My time in the Navy influenced a lot of what I wanted and needed in a future partner and husband. Chapter three is all about raising young lions and lionesses. I tell a few stories of times when I found myself crying in church. I was lost in the hustle and bustle of juggling then three small children, um, moving around the country with my husband. It was just kind of a chaotic season, but I could not lose sight of my primary assignment, and that was what I'm here to do with and for my children. Chapter four is all about the battlefield of the mind. How we talk to and treat ourselves will naturally pour out in our conversations and how we treat others. It's called projecting. We tell on ourselves every day by how we treat people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Chapter five highlights how we can take core strengths and apply them to areas of our lives that we're not so good at. I served my country for 14 years on active duty and three years on the reserve side. The moment I came home to be with my children full time, it was a totally different ball game and It was a really challenging time. I asked myself that first year as a full-time mommy at home, how was it that I was able to travel the world, command platoons of men and women, be an advisor to high-ranking officials, but I struggled to keep my sanity and a home life routine? 
Okay, so chapter six is all about insecurities and projecting the unsorted garbage we hold onto internally onto incident bystanders. When we don't sort through and dispel the garbage inside of us, we wreck our relationships and the chaos compounds over the years. Chapter seven is my favorite chapter. It's all about setting healthy boundaries and creating a sustainable self-love plan. Chapter eight is the conclusion. (laughs) Let's talk about the appropriate timing of this book. There's a shift happening in the culture and I am here for it. I told you, I, I get my culture updates from YouTube. There's a noticeable shift happening in the culture. People are being outspoken towards getting back to the basics of their faith, their identity, family, and relationships, healthy relationships. That is celebrities are reversing their injections and booty implants and fillers You know, the straight white men, they haven't been very popular these past couple of years. I've seen a comeback um, of that demographic of people in society speaking out against the culture. Transgenders having a a change of heart and detransitioning their bodies. More and more women are rejecting that hyper-sexualized trend of behavior and, and language and getting back to the basic of traditional womanhood. We have teenagers and 20-something-year-old women saying online that they want to be wives. They want to be mommies. They want to be home educators. And it just makes my heart smile. All of it just makes my heart smile. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm here for it. It reminds me of my son and my oldest daughter. I would periodically ask my girls, what do you want to be when you grow up? This was to structure my homeschool curriculum around their interests, and I wanted to observe how their answers changed over time. My oldest daughter, Autumn, she's eight years old now. When she was four, she would always carry around a little notebook and a pen. Well, well, she still does. She's just like her mom. I love it. She's, she's very astute. <laughs> Um, She copies words that she sees on signs while we're driving in the car, or she'll sit next to me while I'm working at my desk and just copy whatever I'm writing. When she was four years old, one day she walked up to me and she wanted to show me her writings. And of course, I'm like bragging all over how amazing she writes and how creative she is. I ask her, hey, honey, what do you want to do when you grow up? What do you want to be when you grow up? I'm completely expecting her to say she wants to be a writer just like I wanted to be when I was uh, around her age she kind of looks up at me and then she looks down and she looks at the ceiling and she, she looks back at me and I'm patiently waiting for her to spit out an answer she tells me I want to be a mommy oh my gosh <laughs> my heart just melted I could have burst out crying like that very moment. So I ask a follow-up question. Why do you want to be a mommy? She says, because I want to be like you. (laughs) I was so done. I was so done after that. The, The layers of cuteness, it's just, and the tears were just bubbling up in my eyes. I just couldn't take it. It just, that made my day. I'll tell that story all day long. I gave her a hug and 
probably some ice cream that day. I don't know. But my son, Micaiah, said something similar when he was around three years old. I was a single mother in Ridgeland, South Carolina. I was stationed on Paris Island at the time. We were at home. I think I was on the couch reading. Micaiah was roaming around the house and random. he would randomly stop by and, and, and just kind of, you know, push at me and kind of pester me or whatnot. And so I looked at him. I said, Micaiah, I just, this is, this is me redirecting the, the pestering. I said, Micaiah, what do you want to be when you grow up? He kind of looked at me and with a proud voice, he says, I'm going to be the best dad ever. And I said, okay, then sounds like a plan. And he just like kind of marches off. Like that's just the difference between a girl telling you what she wants to be when she grows up and a boy telling you. But anyway, they both said the same thing. Micaiah, when he was three years old, says, I want to be a dad when I grow up. He wants to be a family man. My daughter at four years old, she wants to be a mommy, just like her mommy. It's just, I, I love it. I'm, I just, I just, I have no words. I love it. In 2023, when I hear people talking about how they're aspiring to be mothers and fathers and they want to share their faith and they're putting out uh, content and videos, um, engaging with people in the public and sharing their faith, it is a radically, it's a radical shift in the culture. And I'm here to contribute to that shift. This is why I believe the timing of my book is fitting. It's a testament to the hunger of the culture. The direction the culture has been moving in the past couple of years is, hasn't been sustainable. The kind of content that is saturating the internet is not sustainable. It's like eating a high sugar diet every day. After a while, the body, the spirit needs nourishment. And I'm looking forward to providing the content that, that feeds the need. Pineapple! Okay, that's a wrap for the AC Talk segment. Let's get into the final segment, which is the Q&A. Q&A from the ACV family email. Fresh out the ACV family inbox. Question one, what was your job in the military? Hubby and I met while we were serving with the U.S. Navy. We were both greenside corpsmen. Um, I was a preventive medicine technician. Hubby was a surgical technologist. Um, Hubby served in Afghanistan. I served in Iraq. We, we met in Jacksonville, North Carolina. Shout out to, to the Marines and sailors down there at Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. And yeah. As I told you, three months later, we got married. So boom, boom, pal. <laughs> Question number two, what made you choose to homeschool? Ooh, okay. Homeschooling for me is a calling. In another episode, I can get into how um, I was a chief in the Navy. God called me home and I went through like an identity crisis where I was really struggling with trying to hang on to something that I love so dearly. I love serving in the military. I love the Navy. But I was now a wife and um, a mother of then three children and probably pregnant with another baby. And uh, the military lifestyle just was not conducive to the family dynamic that hubby and I, um, we were building. So I had to make a decision. But to answer the question, um, 
Micaiah was in seventh grade and he was losing his mind. <laughs> uh, and we couldn't find it. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't, I just didn't know that child anymore. He was acting out. He was getting into trouble at school and he was, I could literally see him transforming into a version of a son that I did not raise. There was one morning I remember putting on my uniform. I was getting ready for work. I was big as a house, pregnant with the twins. Micaiah was acting out, running his mouth. And, you know, just I was trying to get him ready for school. And I just remember just feeling so defeated and helpless. Like it was a major red flag that I needed. I needed to come home. Um, When the twins were born, dropping them off at daycare in the morning and heading to work. It felt so dumb. Daycare ate up hubby's entire paycheck. We were literally paying to be away from our girls. It just felt wrong. And I just remember just driving to daycare, driving to work and doing that. I think we did that. We did that for like two months. And every single day, I just felt so convicted, like this is wrong. So we had to, we had to make some changes. It, it was like, it was like having a second mortgage paying for childcare for twins. It was crazy. So that was another red flag. The final red flag was when the school system threatened to call child protective services on me for not providing uh, an excused absence. It was MLK weekend. I took Makai to the beach to hang out for three days. Hubby was in California in training. So it was just us two. And I wanted to have some family fun. Um, we didn't go to, I didn't take him to school that Monday. It was MLK uh, week, uh, a holiday. And I'm from the East Coast. I just, I didn't think that they had school that day, but apparently in Portland, Oregon, they have school, they had school that day. Um, so I get a phone call. It was like nine o'clock that, um, that Monday morning. Like, hey, you know, your child is absent. I say, yeah, we're chilling at the house. <laughs> and I learned the hard way that, you know, if I didn't have an excuse, um, AKA a doctor's note or a medical note, um, explaining why he wasn't in attendance that legally they are required to call child protective services. And I was like, wait, what? So yeah, listen, you only have one time to threaten to take my child away. I don't like those games. I don't play those games. That and some other conflicts we have with the school system is why we chose to uh, home educate our children. Trust me, you'll hear more about that in future episodes. Question number three, any advice for someone who wants to write a book? Absolutely. If you're interested in writing a book, um, I would say start by, if you haven't started already, start by pouring your ideas out on paper. I use Google, the Google recording app. Um, I talked out my thoughts and transcribed um, all my words onto Google Docs. I was blessed to find a team that could help me take my writings from basically a, a, a very, very, very rough draft to the final print and the release date. Um, I recommend calling Compass Inventor Services. Mike and the team helped me with my personal book. Um, I have a children's book series in the works. I'm hoping to drop the first book next month, May 2023. More information on that. Um, they helped me with my design and patents for an invention um, idea that I had. You'll see that on my website and so much more. Mike will treat you right. 
You can find the information for Compass Adventure Services on my website, Tell Him AC Sent You. the conversation for today i trust this podcast encourages you to continue the conversation in your family circle if you'd like a transcript of this episode you can find it on my website at www.acsvisions.com click on the acv family page there you'll also see the acv family email to send in your questions for the q a segment of the podcast as a reminder episodes are published every thursday Be sure to follow me on social media platforms and sign up to be notified the moment a new episode drops. Thank you for listening to the AC Visions Family Talk Podcast. Until next time.